This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everyone, welcome back to another Harborside episode. And uh, the rest of this month, we're going to be talking about penises, which uh, is just so much fun. There's just so much to... Uh, unfold there maybe <laughs> but hey uh let's pay the bills this is uh all this is going to be sponsored by core medical you guys know that i'm a big fan of theirs I've been working with them for some time now and uh they don't only do desktop testosterone but they also deal with the ed stuff because it's all kind of linked right everything is everything in your body is, is kind of one piece and you can't have one without the other but if this is something that you deal with, which uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley is about to talk about in depth, um, which was really illuminating to me because there is a lot to kind of uncover here, um, pun intended, I guess. Um, but ED is caused typically by low test and blood flow issues, but that can go a lot. That can go a lot of different ways as far as your diet, your uh, your body fat percentage, um, and we're gonna get, we're gonna get into that. But CORE offers 11 different types of ED treatments. Not everything is one size fits all. The days of taking that magic blue pill are over. Um, it just doesn't work like that. And it's kind of, a, it's kind of a, uh, a cheap way to look at it. But this is more tailored to you. We talk, they talk about what your issues are. They look at your lab work. And then they prescribe a medication specifically for you. So at, the, at minimum, and you're going to hear Kirk talk about this, at minimum, just get your blood tested. Um, we live in an age that this is not something that you and your partner have to deal with. So uh, enjoy the episode. All right, we are live and we're back with another Harborside episode with uh, Dr. Kirk Parsley. And we get to talk. So I was, I, I, we're all month we're talking about erectile dysfunction and dicks. So my first thought was like, I got to get a Navy SEAL on here to talk about dicks because they just love it so much. Dicks are so good. <laughs> so just let's just jump right into it let's just jump right into it uh is this more common than people think is is ed situations more common than people think i mean uh, <clears throat> i would say from a medical standpoint unquestionably yes um and the reason i make that distinction is because you, you first have to really define what does ED mean, right? Okay. So erectile dysfunction doesn't just mean that you can't get an erection. Uh, if, if that were the only thing that, okay, we have a binary, <laughs> we have a binary uh, definition at that point. However, like erectile dysfunction includes not getting as hard of an erection as you you expect like sort of what what you think is normal for you it also means that you can't keep an erection so even if you're you know like uh deliberately kind of delaying the outcome and mm -hmm. and you're like pushing it because you want this to last longer if you lose your erection after that that's still ed right or if you can't control when you orgasm like you orgasm before you want to or you just can't quite get to orgasm these are all forms of ed 
Wow, that's, I did I did not know that. So, so it gets it gets really complex, right? And then when you look at uh, just age association with that, right? So when you're 30, one of those things happening you know, like has a certain percentage of being sort of normal or average. And then when you're 40, that goes up. When you're 50, that goes up. And when you're 60, like every birthday that ends in a zero, like you fall into a new category of like what's normal, right? Like how yeah. many, uh, how many times can you, how many times do you want to have sex that you aren't able to have sex? Well, if you're 60 and that's one out of 20, you got no problems, right? <laughs> if you're 30, one out of 20, maybe that's a problem. If it's one out of 10 and you're 40, like, ah, what? Probably a one out of fifty. Yeah, like if you're fifty and one out of ten, maybe like so. It, like it's it's not like a super. The point is, it's not binary, right? It's not like yes and no. Okay. Like, you wish that your erections could be harder and last longer, and like, do you wish you could perform better? That's really that's really easy, man. Like that, and that, I think if you look at it that way. Twenty-five or younger, there's probably very few people that would say, uh, "Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a little better, right?" Like, right. I wish I. Um, so, uh, the the sort of ambiguity of the definition makes a big difference. But I think if you look at it in slightly more concrete terms, just like, um, you know, are you satisfied, and are your partner satisfied, and is your partner satisfied? Because actually, when you work with people who have ED, a lot of the times, the reason the man is suffering is because he believes he's not fulfilling the woman. And if the right. woman comes back, absolutely not. Like, I love it. Like, I, like, what you're doing is great, and I couldn't ask for anything better. Well, then his ED just went away, right? Like, it's right. gone. <clears throat> so it's a really complex thing to talk about. Um, but I think it's like anything else. It's like being healthy. It's like being fit. Are you fit? Are you in good shape? Relative to what? Right? right. Relative to me? Absolutely not. I'm a pile of crap. Like I'm a whore. I'm in terrible shape compared to that. But compared to other 50-year-old men and like where I want to be, I'm doing pretty well. Right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's a very relative term like that. And I think it should be approached with that. Because... You know, I could say in order for me to be fit at my age, I have to be able to compete in the CrossFit games, uh, you know, jujitsu competitions, powerlifting competitions, uh, have six pack abs, 5% body fat. Like, like I could, I could come up with those as being my rules. And would you say, no, those are wrong. Like, okay. Those are hard. Those are hard to achieve. But if that's what you want, then we can work towards getting that. So the same thing is true with erectile dysfunction. It's like, yeah, all right, maybe you want to be able to have sex three times a day with never having any, any right. challenge. 50 years old. I'm not saying you can't do that. That's ambitious. But yeah, okay, like, let, uh, let's work towards that. So if you, aren't, if you aren't able to reach your goal, like my whole passion in medicine is getting is helping people optimize their performance or what they find value and if they think that they need to have sex three to five times per day at their age to be able to be successful and let's work towards that like i yeah. i i'm not sure it really matters where that line is drawn for oh this is a disorder that's not just like hormones you, you've been through this whole rigmarole it's like what's low testosterone it's a bullshit term man it's like yeah all right well 
are you performing how you want to perform? No. Okay. Where's your testosterone level? Oh, it's not where it was when you were 25 and you were performing the way you wanted to perform. Well, let's see if we get your hormones level. Oh, now you're fine. Okay. Then you're, then you needed testosterone, right? Like that, that's not a common concept in medicine, but that's the way. So that's I kind do. of, that's kind of what I was going to talk about or bring up. So like, and I talked about that, you know, I was open about it in my book as well. But when I found out that, well, I didn't, didn't know I had low T at the time, but one of the symptoms that I had was I could get an erection. I didn't give a shit about sex. Right. Like I wasn't just like. different things. That's an important distinction for the show. Like there's a difference between the capability of getting an erection and having sexual desire to do something with that erection. Two yeah. totally different. And I, I just didn't, I didn't care. So I didn't know like. So, but but when I when I when I found out that my testosterone was a 190, and then I got that fixed, well, that you know I was a 190 at like 30 31 years old. Lucky that you're 190 because I've had I've had you know 28 30 year olds who were 257. <laughs> They're like, well, 255 is normal, so you're good. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? And I was in the military, so I, I couldn't do anything about it. Right? Had to defer to the endocrinologist. Now on the outside, I'm like, whatever. I'll treat you at my discretion. But, yeah, yeah. So that was my personal experience, um, but I know that it affects a lot of other people a lot, a lot different. So what's what's happening in the body? Like, I mean, it's probably pretty simple for you to explain what happened to me. But like, what is like on a you know, I guess a physiological level or even a hormone level, what's happening that's specifically causing these things not to happen? Like you said, maybe not getting, you know, hard enough, lasting enough, you know, orgasms changing, um, like what's happening in our bodies that's, that's causing that? Yeah, so I mean, there, again, there's a lot of factors involved in that. Um, unfortunately for our community, <laughs> the number one reason for, erectile dysfunction and other pharmaceuticals uh, okay. because I mean there is there is there are legions of drugs that interfere with uh, erectile functioning um, and all the shit that they're giving all the shit the VA is giving us stuff that yeah. are yeah right um, so uh, but if we break it down like there's it there's sort of different categories, right? So <clears throat> I had a professor in, in, uh, in college who used to always say, um, you know, never forget that the most important sex origin you have is between your ears, right? And, that, and that's absolutely true. Um, your desire to have sex uh, and how much enjoyment you, per, you know, how much you perceive from sex by and large that's a neurological decision like yeah. that's something that's <clears throat> there, there you know there's there's some nuances to that but that's just one category right so how do you think about sex uh how do you think about sexual performance um and just what do you find exciting like what do you find erotic what do you find sexually uplifting and desirable <clears throat> Like that's, there's a lot of programming there and there's multiple layers to that. The next thing that you have to have is you have to have a balanced autonomic nervous system, which I'm sure you've talked about a million times with different guests because it's hugely important in everything that we deal with. 
one of the things that happened in that community is that we kind of reversed the autonomics. Um, and, and I'm sure, like, you would know more about this than I do because because of the time that you were in uh, Special Forces. What we actually train Special Forces to do is to be more calm when most people would be really scared. Right. But unfortunately, that reverses as well. And when most people would be really calm, it causes a lot of anxiety. And this is why you hear guys come back from, you know, their 15th deployment. And they're sitting on their couch in the weekend and there's no music and there's no television. And their kids playing in the background and their wife's in the kitchen and they're white knuckling that experience going, holy shit, how am I going to get through this? Because they, they their autonomics are completely reversed. And, you know, the, a, an easy axiom that we uh, that we learned in medical school is point and shoot. So parasympathetic causes the erection and sympathetic causes the ejaculation. Okay. And so you can't get into parasympathetics, you can't get an erection. And we see this more with women than men, right? <clears throat> because if you think about it, it's like, when do you have a difficult time having a woman orgasm? That's a loaded question, always, right? But... <laughs> Well, the most difficult times are when they don't feel comfortable. It doesn't matter why they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel comfortable about what you're doing. They don't feel comfortable about how they're feeling. They don't feel comfortable about the environment. They don't feel comfortable about whether or not they should be there. They don't feel comfortable enough about their own body. It's like, what's making them uncomfortable? We don't know, but that's parasympathetic. So they can't really get aroused, right? And if you keep pushing through that, they can usually still have orgasms because that's sympathetic, right? Just like in men. So you can get past the discomfort with enough activity, I guess. Right. And that's the male way of not getting there. And that's not what the women would prefer. Um, they would prefer to you know, re-engage that and make them feel comfortable and let them enjoy the experience more than just the orgasm. And so like men have the same problem. So even if you're not aware of it, if you have excess stress hormones, Excess stress hormones lead to sympathetic tones, which means either you're not going to be able to get an erection when you want it, or it's not going to be as hard, or it's not going to last as long. <clears throat> and that's this is all; these are all very common things. And you can call that part psychological, but I I separate those because I think that's more physiological, right? Because you could just have a basal high level of stress hormones because of how you're wired in general, because of how you're working out, because of how you're eating, because of how you're sleeping, because of all sorts of stuff. The first component we talked about is just like what's between the ears. I call that the psychological component. Right. Physiologic component. And then the second physiologic component is blood flow. Now, in our age group, blood flow, you know, let, unless you've lived a pretty um, unhealthy lifestyle, your blood flow, like blood flow issues to the penis under 50 ish is pretty, uh, pretty unusual. Yeah. Um, get over that. Yeah, that's kind of, I'd say that's kind of the ballpark. So late 40s, early 50s is maybe where that would kind of start. If you get near 60s and 70s, for sure, that's a component because all of, you know, blood flow just decreases. Our heart pumps less, our blood vessels become less pliable, and we have more, you know, more narrowing from, you know, atherosclerosis. And, and everybody gets atherosclerosis to some degree. Is there a, so I'm listening to you talk, so I'm starting to think, okay, so there is a, there's a mental component. Now you have a physical component that's an issue. And then 
And then you're doing, is it, is it a, is it even more of a parasympathetic issue because now you're stressed because you're not performing. So it's like, you're causing more of a mental problem already because of what's happening. Right. That's the, the number one reason um, for erectile dysfunction, especially not being able to get an erection. Like, I'd say unquestionably the number one reason by a long shot, right? It might not be the vast majority, but it's definitely the morality of the reasons you wouldn't be able to get an erection um, is because you're worried that you won't be able to get an erection. Or, or, or if you do, you're like, should I have one? But like, how long is it going to last? Am I going to be able to make this happen? Like, instead of enjoying the whole process, you're like processing everything. Right. Right. And, uh, and I'm familiar with this struggle because when you look at sleep, the number one reason for insomnia, the number one reason people can't sleep is because they're worried they're not going to be able to sleep. That's, that is something I struggle with. I, I, will wait, I will wake up and go, shit, am I going to be able to go back to sleep? And now I'm stressing out that I'm awake in the middle of the night and worried I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep. Same physiology, because as soon as your stress hormones creep up while you should be asleep, you're going to have a harder time being asleep because by definition, stress hormones are low when you sleep. Right. And the same like trying to get an erection just like as soon as you start stressing about whether or not you're getting your direction or whether or not it's going to last long enough or you're going to be able to fulfill you the desires of the woman you're with as soon as you start worrying about that you built up stress hormones that are going to make that much less likely yeah uh, and this has nothing to do with most mental toughness this has nothing to do with self-confidence oh. right it's like i can be self-confidence as hell Self-confident as hell, but put me in a ring with Mike Tyson. My confidence is gone. Right, right. right. My ass in a really bad fashion. You know, and the same thing is true. It's like, you know, you can, like, you know, any of us can be, like, overall confident people, but just run into, like, oh, shit, like, this this thing keeps popping up. Or, like, what, like, my buddy told me about this happening to him. I hope it doesn't happen to me. Like, and that can be enough to kind of spin people out. Yeah. And, uh, so, so let's, let's break it down by like decade. You've got a guy, you've got a guy in their mid twenties and they're not, and let's just say that let's, let's not label what kind of ED, but they're not performing to where they want. And for their significant, what do we do? Less than what they want. So, um, the number one reason that somebody in that age group wouldn't be able to get an erection is because they drank in excess. Right. Okay. You know, if they've been enough, if they've been in, say, special forces long enough to be on enough medications, medications can be prepared. Those are like those, that's like, so something that you're taking into your body. That's the number one reason. Um, the number two reason I would say would be hormonal. Uh, okay. And, you know, as you get, as you, I mean, it's interesting, you know, sex changes psychologically as well as it changes physiologically over life. And so the more times you've been able to have sex successfully without any problems, the less likely it is that your psychology is getting in your way. So when you're 60, even though physiologically you're not as capable, psychologically you're more capable than someone who's 20. So I would say if you're, if you're young, and I would define young as under 30, 
Okay. If you're under 30 and you're having any semblance of not being able to perform to the level that you feel like you should or what you feel like is normal for you, number one thing I would look at is what are you putting in your body that doesn't belong there? How is that impacting it? Number two would be to get your hormones tested. Yeah. And it's not full testosterone, right? Because there's a lot of factors involving whether or not that testosterone is affected, right? right. How much bonding globulin do you have? How much are you converting to estradiol? How much are you converting to DHT? Like yeah. what, what is going on with that testosterone? How much is bioavailable? How much is free? Like that's more important than the total number. So, but that needs to be evaluated. And unfortunately, again, with our population, you know, um, the lifestyle of the chaotic sleep cycles, overtraining, like work, just working way too hard. And then the blast injuries, blast injuries, we know they affect the physiology of the brain and, that, and that's the master hormone control. Like it, like I, want every, to, I want you to talk about that hormone for a second, but so, but I'm going to go back to, is there a certain amount is, or is it different for everybody? Like how does alcohol affect your, your sex, your sex hormones and your, and, and or sex organs? Yeah. Um, so that, that does vary. And of course, the older you get, the more, the more important that is. Like, like I said earlier, as you get older, you're physiologically less capable. You can be psychologically more capable. Uh, but the alcohol is going to impact your physiology a lot more as you get older. I mean, I know myself, if I think back to like my 20s, I could probably be passed out and still have an erection. It was just, just so wound up about sex. It was so amazing and so exciting. Yeah, yeah but the older you get, the, the more of a problem that becomes. Right. Okay. So um, then... There's no set limit, right? There's no blood alcohol level. It's like, oh, you're point one, you're impotent. I get. I mean, it, that's it's not that simple. Yeah, but for a normal guy, late, you know, maybe he's got a family, late, late twenties, early thirties, you know, and he's he's having, you know, five, six beers a night well, and having a problem. 30, 30 and you're not slurring your words. It's probably not the alcohol. Okay. Uh, if you get over thirty. Uh, it gets a and that gets a little harder to define. But when you're young, yeah, unless you unless you're just really getting housed, it's probably like it's probably not the issue. And that's generalized. That's a generalized statement. Everybody's different. Like there are people that their entire lives has been a tenuous idea of like whether or not it's going to happen and work out right. Right. Yeah. So th that's a, if you're somebody who's like. You know, since I've been 16, I've been hitting myself in the chin with this thing, and it's like always is hard, and I can't get rid of it. And then all of a sudden, it goes like uh, that. You know, unless you're really, really drunk, this alcohol is probably not the issue. But it's like it's it's all about trying to figure out what is what, right? And slowly taking away things that you know, not doing everything at once, but like, okay, I'm having an issue. Well, if I'm drinking, maybe I need to pull back on that and see if that has an effect on whatever. The second thing you said was talking about uh, sort of brain injury. And, it, and this is where I learned about luteinizing hormone. Because when I went to the brain clinic, they asked about like the quality of erections, the quality of orgasms, the volume. So can you talk a little bit about lute, like what is the luteinizing hormone and, and how does that play into sex and, and ED and all that? Yeah, so 
you have this you have this little bit of your brain that kind of looks like a little it actually looks like testicles and i'm not saying why but (laughs) perfect and between your eyes and like back about this far in your head uh and it's called the pituitary that's the master gland that controls your endocrine system okay and there's above that it's called the hypothalamus and it and it uh it, it basically uh, analyzes what's in your blood and then says, based on what I'm perceiving in the blood, I'm going to stimulate the pituitary to do more of this or that. Um, and that can be luteinizing hormone. That can be follicular stimulating hormone. That could be uh, ACTH. That could be thyroid releasing hormone. That is... Uh, that, I mean, there, there's uh, about seven different hor- pre-hormones or hormone precursors that are leading to that. So, uh, luteinizing hormone uh, causes you, essentially that. So that gets secreted from that pituitary, it gets in your blood flow, and it causes your testicles to produce more testosterone. Follicular stimulating hormone causes your testicles to produce more sperm. Right, because your testicles produce both. This is the same in women and men. So luteinizing hormone in women, women actually produce testosterone that gets converted into estradiol. So LH is the same in them. And the follicular stimulating hormone causes their their eggs to expand and get ready to erupt and be right. So it's the same in men and women. Um, And unfortunately, nature's like Mother Nature's big joke on men (laughs) is that that area above the pituitary that's is analyzing your blood it doesn't really analyze for testosterone <clears throat> there are some testosterone receptors in the brain but they're very few um relative to everything else what it primarily gauges it off of is how much estrogen you have in your blood so how much estradiol your testosterone becomes estradiol to some extent and that's different genetically for different people however what we consider fat, like when we think about somebody who's fat, or we yeah. think about cells, you know, that's by and large what we're thinking of as subcutaneous fat. That's the fat between your skin and your muscles, mm-hmm. right? That fat has the enzyme in it that converts testosterone to estrogen. So the more fat you have, the more of your testosterone that will become estrogen. The more estrogen you have, the more it tells your hypothalamus you have a lot of testosterone, which means you secrete less luteinizing hormone, which means you make less testosterone, which means you get fatter, which means that you make more estrogen, and and then it's a self-propagating downward spiral. You just keep getting worse and worse. Um, I mean, it's not it's not at all unusual. And in fact, I mean, this is evident um, when you look at young men who develop through adolescence while they're obese, they have really small penises. And it's because to a certain degree, like your penis, like the size of your penis is determined during, in the womb, like how much testosterone is in the womb, how many androgen receptors you have. That's kind of like the foundational work. But then your adolescent years are when like, like how much of your potential are you going to reach? And if you're obese, it's maybe nature's way of saying, well, you're not as viable as a candidate as somebody who's not obese. And so you're going to produce, like, you're going to like have a better reproductive organ. I don't know exactly the rationale, like that, you know, not that anything ever thought through it, but exactly why that happens. It's, 
sort of slippery, but it's because they have so much estradiol. Yeah. They have such models, they have such low testosterone levels. Of course they get you know, they get man boobs and they get they have small penis and they don't get as strong and they're not as aggressive and they're not as assertive and it gets a really big obstacle, you know, for somebody that age. And that total digression, but you know, that I think it illustrates the point. Yeah, I, I all I'm hearing is I need to stay as Jack Tan and ripped for as long as humanly possible. Like, yeah. If, if you want the performance that's associated with that look, you have to have that look. Right. <laughs> I mean, a few genetic outliers, but you know, by and large, the reason we fear people who are like the reason we're more intimidated by somebody who's big and muscular and jack looking is because they're much more likely to be able to kick your ass. <laughs> so, <laughs> It's just the way well, the world works. And it, it makes a lot of sure capabilities match that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying too, because even like with um a lot of the fitness clients that I have, if I got somebody who's, you know, pushing four hundred pounds, and I'm I'm thinking of several people right now that are that are just absolutely solid performers that are really, really overweight, like three hundred to four hundred pounds, and now they're sub two hundreds and they're like my whole life is different. Sex, my relationship, my self-esteem. I mean. Yeah, and I alluded to that earlier, but it's just, I mean, it's true for men as well. You know, um, you know, men, men tend to doubt themselves less than women. And by and large, that's a testosterone issue, right? Right. Um, the primary sex hormone for men and women is testosterone. Women have 10 times more testosterone than they do estrogen. But women also have 10 times more estrogen than men do. Right. And men have, more estrogen, men have 10 times more testosterone than women do. However, it's like the body, uh, the self-evaluation, uh, like our own self-image as to whether or not we're sexually attractive and viable is it's a lot that that equation is a lot worse for women than it is for men right women have much more body concerns than men do. And, you, and you see this right guys okay. with big people think they're badasses and like yeah. they're doughy they used to be fit and like they still got some muscle under the fat but the pretty fat guys now they still think pretty highly of themselves right and they're yeah. It's going to be just fine, probably, because as far as that component of it, um, they, you know, they'll run into issues with blood flow and physiology, but their psychology is going to allow them to keep going. But whereas women, it's more, you know, it's, it's much more likely to be a psychological issue that they don't, they don't feel sexual desire because they don't feel sexually whole. Right. And so for men, when you, the, the overall testosterone, the bioavailability of testosterone, it plays a really big part in how sexual we feel. Like this is primarily the, the desire component. So I don't remember if it was before the call or, or after this started, we were talking about the difference you know, between be, being able to get an erection and having sexual desire. Those aren't the same thing. Like you can be able, you can be fully capable of getting an erection and not really have any desire to have sex. You can even have sex with your erection and you can very likely lose your erection before you reach climax because you don't have any psychological desire to do it. Um, so my point is that men 
<clears throat> if, if men's testosterone levels are adequate, and I would say even optimal, like I would I'd push that towards optimal, if we can optimize your testosterone levels, which should just be done for 56,000 different health reasons. Yeah. But that should just be optimized from the beginning. But if that's optimal, there's a very small chance that the reason you're having erectile dysfunction, like less, less performance than you want, the reason you're having that is very unlikely to be between the ears because that's by and large, that's being controlled by you having adequate testosterone. Right. So, so other than, so, okay. We drink a little bit less. We're, we're looking at what kind of meds we're putting in our body. Um, we're staying healthy and fit. And I say healthy and fit as in like, we're, I mean, in my opinion, men should be below 20%. That's, that's like, we shouldn't, men should not be over 20% body fat. 15. Like if you want to be fully vibrant, like if you, you know? Yeah. Um, like function below 20%, but like, if you, if you want to really be like a woman slaying machine, you're going to have to be below 15 so what about diet? How does diet play into, um, you know, sex hormones and, and sex organs? Yeah. So, um, a, a protein, protein deficiencies hugely play with it. I, I can't say that I remember the pathway with that, but I know that, uh, if, if you just, if you're, po- if you're protein deficient, you really can't do anything anabolic, including procreating. So just think of those two things as the same, right? Just like right. if you're able to build muscle, if you're able to get stronger, if you're able to increase performance physically, you're anabolic, right? You really need to be anabolic to sort of to have sexual prowess, right? That's un, like un, unquestionably the, those two are associated. Um, the the other dietary thing that I would say, well, of course, if you if you eat a sustained poor diet to where you have elevated insulin to the point where you become pre-diabetic or peri-diabetic or diabetic, God forbid, that actually damages blood vessels. And then you could be, you could be talking about a vascular problem, <clears throat> but anything that you eat that your body perceives as something that shouldn't be in your body. And that can be something that would be otherwise healthy. Like strawberries are a good example, right? nothing wrong with eating strawberries unless you have some sort of an antigenic response to strawberries, certain nuts, certain seeds, certain vegetables, nightshades, like there's all sorts of things that can right. irritate. And once something irritates your gut, that's perceived as a threat. Your immune system handles threats once they're inside of your body. However, your immune system and your stress hormones go hand in hand. So if you if your body is ramping up immune function, a big a big component of that is ramping up adrenal function, and adrenal function is what produces your stress hormone. So if you're eating things that are irritating to your body, perceived as threat, perceived as foreign, something they don't really want, you're going to elevate your stress hormone. Now you're going to get into that. I think there's a second pathway that I talked about. You know, just having having a balanced autonomic nervous system that just makes it harder. To, to, you know, that that's, makes it harder to be aroused because your parasympathetics are lower than your sympathetic. Right. And that can be 
heart rate variability is like a pretty easy way to do that. So if your heart if your heart rate variability, if you're wearing some sort of monitoring device that allows you uh, to monitor your heart rate variability throughout the day, and that's looking pretty solid, and you're having some sort of performance issue sexually, it's probably not parasympathetic. So we've ruled out one thing. Like we've right. ruled out one of the categories that could be leading to this. Yeah. And see, that's, I think that the, the, the older I get and the more, I guess, educated I get, the more I'm like, um, I'm going to eat everything that's fresh, only fresh <laughs> food. Uh, I'm going to keep my body fat as low as, as, as manageable as far as, you know, what, where I can have a Guinness and not like photo shoot lead, but like something sustainable. Like you said, like 15% that I can, you know, I can still have a burger and fries and a beer when I want, you know what I mean? I stay active, but I'm not like starving and dying all the time, you know, you know, um, I, I think that it kind of in listening to you, it's like, it's not really one thing. It's, it's a whole picture. You can't, you can't dive into this one little thing. It's, it's like, it's the whole body. It's the whole, it's your mind. It's, it's your, it's your organs. It's what you put in there. It's how you exercise. It's your whole outlook on life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, I, I do these annual consulting programs for people and, you know, by, it, it just as it sounds like they're they are I'm, I'm essentially their health partner like I'm, yeah. I'm their coach physician as well for the entire year um and you know that you know exactly what you said like that concept just keeps coming back over and over again it's like the four pillars of health right like the behavioral pillars of health how well are you sleeping how are you what's your exercise like what's your nutrition like and how are you handling stress you can't get past those four things. There's there's no supplement, there's no pharmaceutical that's going to completely alleviate your need to pay attention to any of those things. Right. And so you have to just keep coming back to the foundational behavioral characteristics that are going to lead to health span, meaning how long are you healthy during your life. Like forget living to ninety if you're in a wheelchair for the last twenty years of it. Right. It's like how long are you healthy and capable and actually enjoying your life. And if you're going to optimize your health span. And as well as your lifespan to whatever degree that's important to you. you there's no escaping this. Like there's no peptide, there's no supplement, there's no hormone, there's no procedure you can have do have done that's going to alleviate the need for focusing on that. I mean it's just completely unavoidable and it's very non-sexy. People don't want to hear that. Like they want to hear that there's some solution. Oh just pop this all natural supplement and you know just Swallow with a glass of water, and your life's gonna be perfect. And it just doesn't exist. It certainly, it, if it did, I'd sell the shit. You know, like, it, <laughs> but it just doesn't. Like, it, there's, there's just nothing out there that's like that. Um, you know, it just comes back to, you know, the appropriate amount of discipline. I feel like you can get over-disciplined, and you can cause problems. Right? You can just be stressed out and erotic all the time because you're so damn disciplined. So yeah. it's really life balance for your psychology, and I would say like, erectile dysfunction is probably should probably be thought of as a harbinger for bad things coming. So if you're having point. one of the first things you're going to notice is a weaker erection. Right? If you're having serious psychological issues, one of the things that's going to be the most salient to you it might not be the first thing you notice, but the thing that's going to really stand out to you is man is your lack of performance actually. Yeah. Um, you're not handling your stress well, 
that's a pretty good sign. Like if you have any question as to whether or not you're handling your stress well and you're having a right dose, I can start there. Like that's that's definitely a place to start. Yeah, it's 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 funny you say that when you initially you're talking about like trying to calm yourself down. Yeah, especially with veterans. Like I remember when I was first going through the whole transition of getting out and then trying to become healthy, more healthy and more conscious of where my mind was. We would do these meditations and I would literally have I would almost have an anxiety attack trying to meditate or go to a float spa or something and I'm like I'm like sweating. Am I doing everything I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember learning meditation and being like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did they they say to control my breath or not? Wait, am I, am I, and like, I'm just thinking about a million mechanical things. Like I have to be doing this correct. And it wasn't until I got to the point, it's like, oh, the whole point of this is to not be thinking about what's correct. Yeah. (laughs) But jumping out of a plane at 13 grand with a, with a rock and a rifle, I'm like, Ah. <laughs> and step though, like when you first learned that, you think about like how many times did they beat yeah. things into you? Where like you're literally going through motions that are like it's being narrated in your head that you're doing right. what they told you to do, and then it becomes automatic after a while. And then there's zero stress about it because you don't have to you don't have to think about it. It's the whole point of the training is that we're not going to let your psychology get in the way of this. We're going to make it so entrenched in you that there's nothing you can do to screw this up right yeah that's funny well i won't keep you any more any longer i know you got to go save the world one sleep one sleep issue at a time (laughs) yeah so i would say first examine your psychology and if there's anything if it's anything apparent about that, and you don't even have to share this with me. Like, if you have any doubts in your mind that, that there's a psychological component, there probably is, right? Right. If you're having issues and, and you don't think there's a psychology issue, the next thing I would think about is your stress. And again, guys in our community are really bad at knowing when they're stressed. And I'm still this way to this day, and I teach it all the time. And I will be stressed out of my freaking mind for two months. And then once I get out of it, I look back and go, holy crap, was I stressed? And I didn't realize I was stressed. Like I would have, I would have convinced you, had you asked me, I would have convinced you that I was under no stress, but I was under an immense level of stress. I would say this is really easy to be This is a really easy test for that is to, is to pass it by somebody who isn't in our community. Like somebody who hasn't lived those type of life experiences. Uh, you know, I think about like my ex-wife was a great woman and like, unfortunately it didn't work. But one of the things that I really valued about our relationship is I would just say, I don't feel like I'm stressed, but let me tell you about the things I'm thinking of and just, just let me know if that would stress you out. And she couldn't even handle the list. Like she wouldn't even let me finish. Like, Oh my God, you're stressing the hell out. Stop talking to me. You're stressed. You're definitely stressed. Like, okay. All right. So that'd be the next thing. And if you don't want to do that, just like get into meditation. If you're not at meditating, make sure that your sleep is good. Make sure that your exercise is on. You're not over-exercising. You're not under-exercising. That'd be my number two. If both of those are pretty spot on and you're feeling like you're having issues, then I would seek medical attention. And I'd look at and make sure that you don't have some vascular compromise. 
it doesn't have to be atherosclerosis that's the most that's the most common thing and that can that can be accelerated even if you feel like you're a pretty healthy person you can still have more of that and you just have blood flow issues uh, but that I, I again if you're under probably definitely if you're under 50 if you're probably under 60 65 that would still be my last thing to think about blood test for sure get your labs checked always right yeah well thanks kurt always a pre always a pleasure always a good time man. all right Everything below for Kirk and all his consult consulting and everything is below. Go hit him up. Go follow him on Instagram. Follow him on YouTube. He's got so much information. I absolutely love talking to this guy. Um, and he pulls no punches. So if there's some bullshit out in the world medically, he's gonna he's gonna call it out. So I love it. You better reap the benefit of that before I get like ostracized to some deserted island or prison cell or something for yeah, calling. You and, you and me both. You and me both, sir. All right. See you next time. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, really just want to give a shout out to Core Medical Group. Thank them for sponsoring this uh, episode. And, and if you are looking into this or you need help with this, or you want to talk to somebody, reach out to Core Medical HRT um, on Instagram. The links are below. And, uh, yeah, like I said, they've got 11 different meds. They are professionals in this world, not just ED, but health in general. And uh, man, just absolutely great people. CEO over there, everyone involved with them is just is great. So give them a check out. And, uh, or if you know somebody who uh, wants, to, wants to look into their dick, um, send them over there too. All right, you guys have a great day.